Are you tired of spending countless hours in the kitchen every week trying to figure out what to make and constantly overspending on takeout? My guide, Well Prepped, is here to revolutionize your mealtime routine by offering you the perfect solution. Prep once, cook twice, and enjoy delicious, macro-friendly meals all week long. The food struggle is real. You want to eat well-balanced meals that taste good. You want to make most of your meals at home, but don't want to be a slave to your kitchen. You know you should be eating more protein, but don't know how in the world to get it in. You're overwhelmed with just choosing a recipe you have saved, so you end up getting takeout again. Insert well-prepped, a guide I created to take the guesswork out of efficiently making delicious, macro-friendly meals. This guide provides you with eight weeks of recipes. Each week, you'll prep once for 30 minutes, cook twice, and then enjoy eating all week. That's right. The two recipes will make you a total of six meals. I even made Instacart links for all the weekly groceries you'll need so you don't even need to think about grocery shopping. I'm all about saving time, money, and mental energy when it comes to feeding my family healthy meals, and now I get to share that with you. Grab your copy of Well Prepped at aishazaza.com. And from my kitchen to yours, cheers to eating well and being well prepped. Welcome to the Mindset Mile podcast, the show that'll leave you empowered to take action towards becoming the turned up version of your already awesome self. I'm your host, Aisha Zaza, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, fam, and welcome back to another episode of the Mindset Mile podcast. I am so excited. This week on the show, I am going to be addressing the questions that you all sent in to me. Last week, um, I announced that I was going to be doing a Q&A, and I think that this is going to be a really fun way for us to just be a little bit more candid and for you to be comfortable just asking me questions. I think when we listen to people on podcasts and we see people on social media, we often feel like we really like them, but it's like we we want to know them in ways that we want to get to know them. And I feel like a pretty open book. And so I'm really excited to just dive in and start addressing your questions that you sent in. Okay. The first question is, what is your top advice for weight loss? It's been super hard to lose these last 10 to 20 pounds. This is not a one size fits all answer and there could be multiple things going on. But in general, what I believe about weight loss and the shape that you want to be in is that you're never going to outwork your diet. So I think the first thing that needs to be looked at is the way that you eat and macros. I know I've talked about macros before. I've had a macros coach on the show that breaks down exactly what tracking your macros looks like. And I know that it's not for everyone. And I don't think that you need to track your macros forever. But I think for the majority of people, we don't know how to properly fuel our body and give ourselves the right amount of fats, protein, and carbohydrates to one, 
perform our best and fuel our body with enough food and nutrients to perform at the gym and to have sustainable energy levels to get through the day. And also to, of course, reach our body goals, you know, whether that's to add weight or to lose weight or to tone. So I think finding a macros coach or um, finding out what your macros are, and if you want to figure that out on your own and download a macros calculator on your phone, I think that the learning curve at first is a little bit cumbersome, but once you get used to it and you can start to see how many grams of, you know, every protein, fat, and carbs, what that looks like in the amount of food that you're eating, you can, it'll start to come a lot easier for you to understand like what exactly you're giving your body in terms of food. So um, it's also very likely that you're not eating enough. A lot of people stick with very low calorie diets, you know, like most women that diet, quote unquote, I think that they assume that they need to be eating under 1200 calories in order to lose weight. And that's certainly not going to do your body any good. And it's not going to generate long-term sustainable weight loss. So I think that not eating enough could be a part of the problem as well. In terms of exercise, I would encourage you to find a workout routine that you like and that you'll stay with because no matter what someone says is the best for them and that works for them, if that's something that you don't enjoy doing, you're not going to show up and do it five times a week or however many times a week you want to train or work out. So I think finding something that you like is a big part of that. And then my last piece of advice would be to be process oriented instead of goal oriented. And I know that might sound easier said than done because when we want to lose weight, it can feel like the process isn't happening fast enough. But There is nothing that is going to serve you that comes from feeling discouraged about your journey. So, and that goes for like everything in life, right? It's not just weight loss, but when you focus on the process and building better habits and finding ways that you can make meal prep and food prep fun and enjoy showing up for workouts and, you know, maybe finding a walking buddy or a running buddy, you know, when you can find ways to enjoy what you're doing and you focus on just doing that consistently, you are going to find yourself at your results. So I hope that helps. Someone else asked, what are your 10 year goals? I had to sit and really think about that's a long time. (laughs) 10 years is a really long time. And I hadn't I kind of stopped thinking that far in advance um, a little, uh, I don't know, I guess a few years ago. I like to to keep my goals a little bit closer in terms of time. So I really had to think about 10 years and like, I mean, a lot can happen over that timeline. So I, I have a few things here. In a 10-year time frame, I would love to either create or have a collaboration on an activewear line. I love fashion. I love uh, fitness. I love athleisure and uh, workout clothes. And so I think that would be such a fun process. I'm, I love being creative. And I actually went to school before I did my communication studies degree. I did uh, fashion design and apparel production. So that is just a part of who I am. And I think marrying my love for fitness would be so fun to create 
or collaborate on a fitness line or an activewear line. I would also love to eventually host fitness and or wellness retreats, preferably here in Santa Barbara, where I live, because I do believe that Santa Barbara is one of the most special places in the world. It's just so beautiful. And I would love to create a space for people to get away from their normal everyday lives and connect with other women, preferably not that I have anything against men, but I think for, you know, a fitness wellness retreat, keeping it, um, I'd like to, to create a space specifically for women to really feel like they are in a place in the exact place that they should be hearing the things that they need to hear from the people that are either speaking at the retreat or who attend the retreat. I think some of the most amazing relationships you can make in environments like that are with other attendees. Um, and so that would be a huge dream. I would love to buy a forever home and I'm not sure where that is exactly. I mean, I love California, which actually I'm going to address in one of my upcoming questions. So I think buying a forever home and preferably a tear, not a tear down, but a home that I can redo that has fantastic bones that I can make my own would be ideal. And I don't think enough people talk about money. So I'm just going to go ahead and say um, that I would love to make about $500,000 a year. (laughs) And of course, like, you know, I, I really had to sit and think about like, what would be enough or what would be more than enough, really? Because I my theory in making good money and more than you need is you're able to do more for other people. So I would love to be in like an, a more than comfortable place financially where nothing comes up as a surprise or it, it, you know, nothing comes up taking away from any other thing that my family and I are either saving for or working towards, you know, so whether that is being able to assist anybody else in my family or any of my friends financially. I love treating people to meals and being able to buy things for people. I think I love just giving gifts. So I I would love to make at least $500,000 a year. And I think within a 10-year time frame, that is a good, a good stretch, but also maybe within reach. We'll see. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. Um, okay. So the next question is how's life in California? Could you ever imagine moving somewhere else? I have never lived anywhere else for an extended period of time. I did move, uh, to Spain for about six weeks doing a study abroad program. And obviously that's not a very long time. And then I also moved to New York for a summer doing an internship when I was in college. So those are really the only places I've ever like truly unpacked and kind of had a place to call home for longer than a vacation, I would say. Can I imagine living somewhere else? In some ways, yes, but I haven't been to a place that I could see myself actually living. I my husband and I actually think about this every time we travel, um, which might sound kind of strange, but we love 
walking neighborhoods and, you know, going to local, local coffee shops and, um, imagining like, could we ever live here? Because I don't think we ever rule out any possibility. And when my husband retires, which will actually be within the next 10 years, it is very advantageous of us to consider moving to a state that is that doesn't have income tax because, as you know, living in California is very expensive. I don't know any different. So in some ways, I do feel like I am just kind of used to it, you know, like compared to maybe someone that looks at California from the Midwest, you know, they think like, oh my gosh, like California is outrageous and it is, but you also have the ability to make more. So in that way, I think everything is relative. So I guess from a cost standpoint, I would love to be able to um, afford more in terms of a home and land, but I don't know, California is hard to beat. I absolutely think the quality of life here and specifically in Santa Barbara, where the weather year round is you can just get outside. And I mean, I trained for my marathon in the months of December, January, and February. (laughs) Like where else can you do that in the United States? I love living by the ocean. I just think that California has absolutely everything from the mountains to the beach, to wine country, to amazing food and so much culture. So I love it here. And the family, my immediate family is here, although they are several hours away from me in Northern California. It would be kind of hard to imagine like flying back to family instead of being able to drive. So I'm not sure if I would want to live somewhere else, Uh, definitely not within the next 10 years. But if I visited a place, although one time I did visit Charleston, South Carolina, and I absolutely loved it. And I I actually said I could live here. I remember saying that when I was there. Uh, I would need to go back because this was several years ago. So I need to make sure that I feel the same way, but maybe there because I think the weather is actually pretty decent there as well. Okay. The next question is, what is your advice, tips, and thoughts on preschool? I am hesitant to start. So I started my daughter Shiloh in daycare when she was around 14, 15 months old. And it is a Montessori style daycare. And it is more like a preschool, I would say. Um, In fact, the ladies that run it, it's out of um, their home or it's out of one of the ladies' homes, and they used to teach at a preschool that shut down uh, within the last year and a half or so, and so she started her own preschool daycare. And so I do, I love it. I think it's great for kids to socialize them and for them to be able to learn from one another and to be able to learn from people that are not mommy and daddy, you know, which I obviously could be a double-edged sword, but I think just making sure that you find the right place is super important. And like most things I've realized about parenting, I think that we get so, as a parent, get so much more worked up about it than how the experience actually goes, right? Like the first time you ever leave your baby overnight with someone, you know, I think that it's harder for us than it is on them. And once you do it the first time, it becomes just so much easier. It's just like getting over that hurdle of like, getting in the car, pulling out of the driveway, leaving, you know, they're going to be fine at the end of the day. And so I think it's just like we build the anticipation up and the anxiety and the stress up when really like 
you know, Shiloh was excited to go to daycare and, you know, she might've had a, a fussy moment or two, but I think that she transitioned really well and loves being social with other kids. So I love it personally. I think that it just takes finding the right place and getting over that first hurdle of dropping them off the first day. And then it's all good. Next question is what's a day in the life of Asia like? What's your favorite method of organizing yourself? So this is literally how most of my days go. <laughs> I, uh, I wake up, I get Shiloh up, I give her milk, I have a cup of coffee, I get her ready and I drop her off at daycare. And I am usually doing that within a few minutes of when I go to the gym. So I like to go to the 8am class because that's when Shiloh starts daycare. So I drop her off, I head to the gym and I get my workout in most of the time right away. First thing or not first thing. I don't like roll out of bed, but you know what I mean? And, uh, she's in daycare from eight to 12 Monday through Friday. So this is a really great route, you know, four hours. It's a good amount of time, but it also flies. And so I do try to be very intentional with the way that I spend my time because I have a lot of work to do before I pick her up and bring her home to nap. And so when I get home from the gym, I usually make a quick breakfast, I shower, I get myself ready. I make the bed. I make the bed every day. And what helps me stay organized are lists. So I like to write out lists of things that I need to do and whether or not they are for that day, I like to just see what I have going on. Um, but I use lists strictly as data. So I don't use a list to make myself feel bad for how much I don't do because I definitely am and have been one of those people before that, you know, my productivity has determined how good I feel about myself. And I think becoming a mom has been the biggest lesson in just lowering my expectations of what can get done because I've never been happy with myself setting the bar too high. So I, I like to use lists just to see what I need to get done that day, whether that's in my house or whether that's grocery shopping or whether that's work things, I like to just know exactly what I need to do. And I like to be able to cross things off. So I feel productive. So lists are huge. I pick up Shiloh from daycare, bring her home. She naps. I get a little bit more work done and she sleeps until about two 30. And then at that time I get her up and we usually have a little snack. Sometimes I'll go in a run or on a run with her in the afternoon and I, yeah, I'm just doing, you know, the afternoons are just for us. And I, I try to get her out and just to get outside. I take her to a few different playgrounds here in town or down to the beach. And then we're home by about 530 where I make her dinner and then I make myself dinner. And then we do bath time, bedtime, and I put her down by 730. So that is a pretty typical day. My husband works evening, so he's not home until 10. And it that does change sometimes, but it's like this for now for at least a few more months. So evenings are, you know, solo. And I thought it would be a lot more challenging, but we've got a nice little rhythm down. So I do like to be in bed by 9 or 9.30. And then someone else said, which isn't really a question, they said, some people look up to you and why? but without a question mark. So I, first of all, thank you. 
I, I don't know why I, that would be a question for other people. (laughs) I think what I've learned just about people that I look up to and that I like following, whether that's through podcasts or social media, I like people that keep it real and that are relatable and that are not afraid to be vulnerable and that are inspiring in their own ways. So I just try to share what I'm passionate about and methods that I use to stay organized and, you know, feed a household. And I like making recipes. I like, I mean, you, you know, all the things that I like doing. So I just try sharing like my real life experience on the day to day. And so I think maybe that could be why, but thank you. I appreciate that. Next question is, what is the best international vacation you've been on? What made it so fantastic? So I have a very, very special place in my heart for Spain. I did a study abroad, as I mentioned a little bit ago, in Spain, in Sevilla, uh, when I was 21, maybe. And I absolutely love, love, love Spain. I love the culture. I love the food. I love everything about their lifestyle, the people. I just think Spain is such a gem. I, I can't say enough great things about Spain. I would say the second thing or the second place that came to mind was Bali. So I went to Bali back in 2014 with my husband, who was not my husband at the time, but we did go to Bali together. And Bali was just breathtakingly stunning in so many ways. The the people are just so beautiful, so peaceful, so humble. And that I remember, I remember the people making such a big impact on how I felt about Bali in general. And in fact, when we were, I remember specifically like in a taxi back to the airport, when we were leaving, I was just looking out the window and tears started rolling down my face And Shannon, my husband, he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just, I don't want to forget how nice people have been here. Like I want to take what I experienced here in Bali and bring it back to the U.S. and bring it back to my life because I feel like sometimes we focus on the wrong things here and we get caught up in material things and it's just, it feels hard to make a change when really I know change starts within us. And so I just remember feeling so profoundly impacted by how kind and generous people were that had so little, you know, it was just absolutely beautiful. I think the food in Bali is fantastic. The landscape is just so beautiful. Balinese culture is just stunning. So if you ever get a chance, definitely check out Bali. Hey guys, my new sponsor, Get the Tea, is having their annual summer sale, which is perfect because it's just in time for Father's Day. Have you thought about what kind of gift you'd like to give your dad this year? Why not think about a gift that would help with his digestion? Life Change Tea is an amazing gentle cleanse that he can use daily for gut health, and who doesn't need that? I know I do. I drink it every day. It comes in three different flavors natural, peppermint, and pomegranate. And they're made with a combination of 12 herbs that help the digestive system and gut health. Life Change Tea has been around since 2007, helping thousands of people with their gut health. It's made right here in the USA. 
It's easy to brew and perfect to keep in your fridge to drink daily. It's summertime and I love having a big refreshing glass of iced tea. That's why I choose to drink life change tea. Right now they're having a big summer sale, which means when you buy three, you get one free. Yes, buy three and get one free. Go to getthetea.com forward slash Zaza to order yours today. And exclusively for my listeners, use code ZAZA10, that's Z-A-Z-A-10, to get an additional $10 off plus free shipping. That's over a $50 savings. So go to getthetea.com forward slash ZAZA and use code ZAZA10 for $10 off plus free shipping. Don't miss out. Hey, really quick. As an avid runner, I'm always looking for running gear that meets the functional and stylish mark, which is why I don't wear any other running glasses besides Gooder. Gooder frames are so lightweight but snug. They never bounce or slip when I'm on a run, a hike, or just out and about running errands. I've been loving the Mach-G aviators and OG styles as of late, but at 25 bucks a pop, I keep a pair in my car, in my purse, and on the console table with my keys, so I'm never without some good eye protection. All Gooder Sunnies are 100% UV protective and polarized. They're seriously the best and you need a pair. Use code MINDSETMILE to get 15% off your order. And when you order two or anything over $50, you'll also get free shipping. Check them out at gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com and get 15% off when you use code MindsetMile. Uh, next question is how to ease back into exercise after childbirth. So this is something that I think is wildly undereducated and I have a big problem with this arbitrary six-week timeline where a woman goes back to their OB to get cleared for exercise and then is wished farewell. Um, when really I think that there is so much more repair that is being done in the body at that time still. And pelvic floor exercises are really where to start building back your core strength. I remember the first time I went back to the gym, I was just so eager and so excited and I jumped on a rower to warm up and I remember pulling the rower for the first pull and I like couldn't almost pull a rower. I literally was like, I have no abdominal muscles. They're gone. (laughs) They didn't even say bye. I, it was crazy. And I, I, that it was then that I realized like, wow, here I was thinking like, oh, just rowing and like warming up to exercise that it was, I wasn't doing anything that was like incredibly taxing or that specifically targeted my core, but you don't realize how much you use your core for everything until you have like no strength there anymore. So I think, you know, starting with pelvic floor exercises, I follow an account on Instagram. Her name is Julie Baird and her Instagram handle is at our fit family life. She has tons of great free info just right from her Instagram. And she also sells programs. I personally want to be putting together a program, a postnatal program within the next year or less. So you can keep an eye out for that as well. I would encourage moms to take walks with their baby because you can wear your baby or push them in a stroller. A walk is so underrated. Oh my gosh. And you just need to get out of the house. It does 
wonders for your mental game and for your physical self. Um, so taking walks with your baby at first as well. And lastly, I think that it's so important to be proud of what you do and don't compare, don't compare yourself to what you used to be able to do athletically, because that is just going to tear you apart. If you focus on what you used to be able to do and looking at the mountain in front of you, that feels like you have to climb to get back to it. So just show up every day, work on your pelvic floor and your core strength with doing pelvic floor exercises and you will get back in no time. Next question. What's the best advice for a mom wanting to take the next step and start her business? So I think this really depends on what type of business we're talking about, but the advice that I would give anybody starting any type of business, especially as a mom is make a list of why you want to start your business and why you want it to be successful. Because I think that there's a lot of, there's like some sex appeal to like, Oh, I'm going to start a business. And it sounds so sexy, right? Like there's a lot of work that goes into starting a business, regardless of what it is, whether it's network marketing, whether it is a traditional storefront or an Etsy store, or I don't know, whatever it is that the business is, it's going to take a lot of work. And unless you have a really, really strong reason why you want your business to be successful, you are going to start using probably the reason why you started, which is like your family or your children you're going to start using them as your excuse to not work on your business. So I think that it's going to be super important to look at the long-term benefits of why you're starting your business and what your life will look like when it goes that way. So when it, when it turns out to be successful and it's making you X amount of money every month, what will that look like for your family? Because you need to work for what, it will bring instead of what it is going to do for you now, because it's only going to require a lot of work right now. And you need a big, big reason to keep you going when it gets hard. So, um, I would also say to not set your expectations too high and just focus on doing work every day, little by little, like you will build what you need in order to get your business off the ground. Um, and yeah, but not, not setting your expectations too high because obviously there's only so much that we can do in a day also being a parent. So next question, um, getting back into a healthy lifestyle after an ACL injury. So in terms of exercise, I would say just take it really slow and make sure that you are building up proper strength. There is nothing like being overzealous and, you know, being excited to get back to exercise that will take you right back to being injured again. So just take it very, very slow and just build strength the smart way. And in terms of diet, you know, I, I would say in any, in any experience, not even coming back from an injury, layer in better decisions about how you eat one at a time. So if you are the cold Turkey type, then great do that. If you're like, I'm going to cut out sugar and alcohol and this and that, whatever it is that you know that irritates your body or that is keeping you off track. If you can cut that all out at once and do that successfully, great. But if that's something you've tried and it fails you every time, then don't think that you can just 
try using discipline harder next time around. Like it just doesn't work like that. So better habits create better lifestyles. And when you add those one at a time, you will start to follow through with them because you're not trying to change everything all at once. So when you get excited about following through with something, you are much more likely to stick with other decisions you make in the future. So whether that is, you know, cutting out sugar for a week or two weeks or maybe a month and then, you know, layering in something else, maybe you want to do the whole 30 or a paleo challenge for the next 30 days, do, do them in layers. Don't try to change everything all at once. Next question is what's one thing you find yourself wanting to work on? So I think I would say, procrastinating on things that I don't know how to do or that I don't feel confident at. I have talked about this in episodes before where I think procrastination is a form of um, perfectionism in certain ways. And while I don't feel like I'm a type A perfectionist, I do like to know what I'm doing. And there is some uncertainty in starting things or doing anything that you've never done before that make you feel not very confident in what you're doing. But the only way to gain confidence is to take that messy action. And so I know I talk about this a lot, but most of the things I talk about are things that I have learned to overcome myself or that I go through. So I think using, um, procrastination as, and and specifically when I don't know how to do something, everything is figure outable. You know, I even know that. So I don't like being caught in a place of, I don't know how to do it. So I'm going to put off doing it. Right. So I need to, I want to be able to figure things out quicker sometimes. So that is what I would say that I want to work on myself. Next question is what is your morning routine and how do you manage to stick to it each day? I addressed this in a question a little bit ago, but I would say it usually starts after the gym. I'm sorry. It usually starts at the gym after I drop off Shiloh at daycare. Um, lately I feel like I just cannot be getting enough sleep. So I have not been waking up too much earlier than my daughter. And here's the thing. I don't feel bad about it. I know that there are a lot of people that talk about being successful and productivity and, um, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. But if you are not getting enough sleep and everything in your life is suffering because you're not well rested, then waking up at five to, you know, do whatever you think it is you need to do to have a morning routine, that's also not going to serve you. And so I, I've learned to just shift some of those things that I would do if I did, you know, let's say wake up like an hour or two earlier than her, which would look like journaling or meditating or reading um, some kind of personal development book. I just shift those to an evening time routine. Like after I put her down, I find that I'm much more centered. I'm much more ready to focus than trying to wake up early, tired and um, squeeze it in before she wakes up. So I think just be really gentle on yourself with how you do start each day. I I want to encourage you to do things in the morning that make you feel ready for the day, but it doesn't mean you have to wake up three hours before the sun and like run 10 miles and meditate and do all the things that sound like 
that's what you should be doing. So I can say though, that I do take, after I drop Shiloh off and, um, come back from the gym, or sometimes if I do come back right after dropping her off and do the gym later, I do take 10 minutes to make my bed and clean up after I make breakfast. So I don't like my house being a mess. It makes me feel productive to just get some of these like cumbersome tasks out of the way. And they really don't take that much time. And being that I work from home and we do have a pretty small house, I don't like to work in mess and clutter. It makes me feel like I can't think clearly. So I would, I would definitely say, you know, take 10 minutes, set a timer, clean up a little bit and get your day started on a clean slate. Next question is, what are your thoughts on how often self-care should be practiced? Would you say reading a book is self-care too? So I don't think that there is one way to quantify self-care. I think that self-care is, you do need to be proactive about it because if you let too much time go by where you are not doing things that fill your cup, then you're going to start becoming short-tempered or resentful and, you know, acting in ways that you don't want to be acting towards probably yourself and other people. And so I don't think that missing a day of whatever self-care looks like to you, whether that is, I don't know, whatever self-care looks like to you, whether that's like doing a mask, you know, at night before you go to bed, whether that's reading a book, whether that is doing something. If you miss a day, you're not going to be a, you know, the person that you are meant to become is not going to falter because you miss one day. I do think that exercise is a form of self-care. And so most people like to get an exercise um, every, you know, almost every day, whether that's like a walk or going to the gym. And I do think that that is a very important form of self-care that is easy to, you know, if you're in that routine, then it's easy to kind of stay in it. And if you're doing that, then you're leaps and bounds ahead of, you know, the majority of, of the world. So I think being able to roll with the punches though, is going to be your best friend because not every day works out perfectly. And so I don't look at self-care as like such a rigid thing, but you do need to kind of know your windows of opportunity for when you can get it in. Because if you don't plan for things, let's be honest, like they're not going, they're likely not going to get done. You're, you're going to be overrun by your day instead of you running your day. And so though things don't work out perfectly every time, I do think having general ideas of when you can get things done is important. And also remember that doing a little bit of something is better than doing nothing at all. So if you don't have the normal amount of time it is to sit down and read a book, which yes, I do believe is self-care, It's better to read five pages than no pages, you know, like that, those five pages a day will add up really quickly. So I think realizing that is going to be a big shift in how consistently you practice self-care. Okay. And then second to last question, how do you manage disappointment when you just don't have enough time in the day or the day doesn't go to plan? I try to plan throughout the day and prep the night before, et cetera. With two toddlers, they certainly know how to create a hurdle in a well-planned day. Parenting on my own doesn't help as I don't have someone to help pick up the slack. So first of all, mama, you are doing a lot. <laughs> Raising two toddlers is a full-time job. So I, I definitely have my days where I feel like 
I wanted to do more than I did. But at the end of the day, I have to look at all of the things I did do, which even on a day where you might not have crossed off something on the to-do list that isn't, you know, like a maintenance type of to-do, which could look like feeding the kids lunches or just cleaning up the dishes or doing a load of laundry. Like those things are all things that are getting done. And I think because we do them habitually and they're just kind of a part of like our normal life, we don't see them as productive for some reason. But I mean, raising, raising kids alone is just, that's a full-time job. So I think that managing your expectations of what can get done and just kind of make, make that the, the normal, like, of course you can't plan on how, what, what's going to happen every day with your kids or how your day is going to shift. But I think just knowing that that is the normal instead of expecting days to go perfectly plan and then getting frustrated every time they don't, I would much rather expect that that is how it goes normally and be pleasantly surprised when you are able to get more done. And just remember that this is a short season of time. These are golden years that you will not remember the day-to-day stress and frustration. You, you'll remember it as a time that you were just killing it. You know, I think that you're going to be able to give yourself a lot more credit in five, 10, 20 years from now, looking back on raising two kids by yourself. So I just would not be so hard on yourself and just know that you're doing enough. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. So the last question is how do you deal with negative comments people add or say about things they disagree with you? So I don't get a lot. I know on, you know, I think we're talking about social media here, but I do see that a lot of influencers or people on social media that have like huge followings, they do get like comments from people that are just like so rude. And I have to say, I don't, I don't really get people that like make very rude comments. I mean, it's maybe happened like once or twice, but I don't know, maybe I just give off like a don't mess with me vibe. I'm not sure. (laughs) But I think I just, you know, when, when that is the case though, in real life where I know that someone is maybe thinks less of me or doesn't care for me, I just, I just remember that what they have to say about me and what they think about me has absolutely nothing to do with me. Most people that have something judgmental to say, don't, know you very well, you know, like that's usually their own projection of what they feel insecure about. And so I just remember that just because someone says something about me or they make a rude comment doesn't mean that that comment is true. That comment will only mean what I make it mean about myself. And if I remind myself of what is true about myself, then what they say doesn't matter. It just you know, and people's opinions of what I do for either work or in my life, they are not moving the needle forward for me. Like their opinions don't pay my mortgage. They don't save for my child's college fund. They don't buy my groceries. So they literally don't matter. Those things will exist everywhere and all the time. And you just can't let them bother you because they aren't true. And then um, when people disagree with me, I don't expect 
people to agree with me on everything. And I, I really try to be open-minded about people's opinions about things because we all have circumstances and things in life that shape the way we view things and the way that we do things. And I just try to remember that everyone has their own experiences that, that shape them and mold the way that they think. When someone disagrees with me, that's, that's their right. You know, I, I don't want to live, I don't want to live in an echo chamber where I feel validated in how I think or the things that I do because everyone agrees with me. So, I mean, I actually think disagreements are very healthy. Uh, I try to not take them personally, but try to just work through them with like clear communication and don't be passive aggressive. You know, if it's someone that you're really close with, just be very clear about what you mean and what you want or what you need in that situation. So Anyways, that is all we've got for today, you guys. I want to thank you so much for sending in these questions. I hope that you found this helpful. I would love to do these a little bit more regularly. And if it's something that you enjoyed, I'd love to hear your feedback. If you have questions that you want me to add to my next Q&A, then please send me a message on Instagram at Aisha Zaza, or you can always email me at Aisha at themindsetmile.com. And I will keep that in mind going forward. So I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. I cannot wait to see you next week. And until then, make it a great day. 